everyone, this is Nish Childua, and welcome to the Remote Work Summit. On the panel now, we have Kevin Grossman, the President of Talent Board and Candidate Experience Awards. Welcome to the summit, Kevin. Thank you so much, Natal. Appreciate it. Um, I'm really glad to be here. Same here, Kevin. I'm really excited to have you here because with your 20 plus years of domain expertise, I feel there's a lot that we can learn from you today, especially on how to elevate the overall candidate experience. You know, let's just quickly start off with a short background and you could tell us a bit about yourself and what you've been doing so far. I've been in the, the HR recruiting technology space for over 20 years now. That's really been kind of most of my tenure on the product side, although I've been involved with HR and recruiting professionals for that entire tenure, for that matter. For the past five years now, nearly five years, I've been running Talent Board and the Candidate Experience Awards and super passionate about helping companies to identify their strengths and weaknesses, their perception gaps in candidate experience and the recruiting process and helping them to improve that because we know um, as part of what we're going to share during this session as well is that there's a definitive impact on their business and their brand over time by the sheer volume of people that we're not hiring at the end of the day. There's a lot more people that go through our recruiting process that we don't that don't get the job and that aggregate number can have a much greater aggregate impact. So what you're saying is that the kind of people and the number of people that we don't hire also has a huge impact on not just the organization, but the economy as such in general. Oh, it's very much so. so. I mean, the hires are important. Don't get me wrong. The people that you hire, that those are the ones who are going to help grow and sustain the business. That's critical. Absolutely. And you want to retain them as long as you can. But we're in the business of no, unfortunately, in recruiting. We're saying no a lot more often than we're saying yes. And I think that is it's really important. And that's what our research organization tries to help companies understand is treating candidates, whether you hire them or reject them, all with the same level of fairness and positive communication and feedback. Got it, got it. Because like you said, we are in the business of saying no, that uh, the recruiters more often than not end up saying no to people and prospective hires. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, yeah. how do you think the talent economy in general is changing? How is it shaping throughout the world? What are the big trends we should be uh, you know, keeping note of in terms of the talent economy as general? Well, it's hard not to not talk about what's impacting our world right now, right? The coronavirus, COVID-19. I think that impact is um, really getting companies to take a really hard look at their hiring and recruiting practices right now. I think that, and I got some data that I'll share in a bit too, but there's a lot more, of course, virtual um, interviewing that's going on, virtual screening that's going on, less in person. This includes also remote working, which I know is a big, big theme, obviously, of your event. And we're going to, I think, you know, companies who may have been resistant in the past to embracing remote virtual work are being really forced to do that now in order to, so in order to practice social distancing and to keep those, those susceptible populations safe that are out there right now from the virus. So I think it's going to, what's going to be fascinating, and I heard an economist speak recently about this, that will this trend stick? Will we see companies realizing, wow, we can be just as productive and, and still grow and sustain the business with a much bigger segment of our workforce to be remote. Now, that's not going to be the case, obviously, with customer-facing individuals that have to be on site, that, that whether they're providing services or selling products. That's a different story 
for another time. But I think for those who can work virtual and still be even customer facing, it'll be interesting to see how this impact lasts over time. I will, I do think that we'll see more companies sustaining remote work over time, not just because <clears throat> in the near term because of the virus, but in the long term because it works. I, I definitely agree with your point over there. And I think it, it remains to be seen as a question, how much of this trend sticks around and how much uh, does it go back to what it was earlier, right? But it's right. definitely uh, a wake-up call. It's definitely something that's being uh, that's currently forcing a lot of companies, a lot of people to work from home. But let's see if they're able to maintain their level of productivity and their level of uh, you know profitability while working from uh, while in a work from home situation. So I've been working. I mean, you probably were going to ask a similar question of me, but I've been working remotely for my goodness, almost 10 years for the most part. I travel a lot, not now, obviously, but um, I have and will again travel a lot for the work that we do at the research organization. But I do work from a home office and my team, a small team, we're all virtual remote all over the world, throughout the States, as well as in, in uh, London and in Australia, in uh, Melbourne. So I've been practicing that for a long time and the work that we do, it, it's, um, it's very conducive to that, to that kind of an environment and it does work. And, um, you know, there's lots of things we can maybe we'll might talk about in this context of this call or you're covering in the summit itself, but I've been working in it for almost 10 years in this kind of environment and it, it can and does work. Absolutely. No, I agree completely because, you know, uh, I've been working remotely for the better part of the last couple of years, two or three years at least. And our team of 12 people is entirely distributed. So we don't really have an office or a home base per se. Everyone's working from home. So is this about right. putting the right processes, the right practices in place and, in, mm -hmm. and you can make it work, to be honest. But yeah. uh, like you said, there will be a lot of uh, customer facing roles as well where people might have to be present on site. Right. right. So, uh, Kevin, you said that you have a couple of stats for us, something that you can walk us through. Uh, sure. Either those are data points or trends, probably just you can, you know, pull that up right now and we can just... Yeah, I will. I'll, let me let me do that and, and share some information. So, um, I think the thing that I want to first really briefly, again, reference what we do at Talent Board. So, for now, this is our 10th year. So, for the past over nine years. Um, we've been doing this benchmark research with hundreds of employers around the world, North America, MIA, APAC, and, and now for the first time in Latin America. We started last year in Latin America. Again, companies who are recruiting and hiring in each of those regions, they participate in our benchmark research and they first fill out a self-assessment of what they're doing in recruitment and hiring from pre-application to onboarding. And then they target a population of their own candidates across job types and ask them questions, our survey tool, um, about wh how they, what they experienced and how they would rate that experience. So it's candidate feedback, <clears throat> survey feedback that they get from us. And then they also get that compared to the anonymized aggregate data that we capture from all the companies, industries and companies big and small, and then be able to compare and contrast themselves against those organizations. So we've been doing this year after year, um, all about elevating and promoting a quality candidate experience. And again, doing it this year in 2020, but that's what the program is all about. Now, <clears throat> now one of the things I wanted to share, this is not our part of our direct research, but I think it's also timely to talk about. This is a, a, one of a couple of questions I'm gonna share. We did some ad hoc surveys recently, obviously because of what's happening with coronavirus and the impact on hiring and recruiting. And 
again, asking companies right now, um, we did two different surveys so far, but asking them are they going to encourage more employees to work from home? Obviously, when we did it the first time, um, it was quite significant, actually, based on those responses. It's a different mix of companies in the second one, although it's still a high rate of over 40%, just over 60% the first time we did it over 40 I think that because of the different mix of companies, I think it's just even if we were to ask that again today, it's going to be much higher across the board. And I think we're going to, we are going to do a follow-up survey on this too as well. I think more companies are obviously who can offer this and who can have employees work remotely and still be productive and do the jobs that they've been hired to do. They're, we're going to see more of that over time. We also asked the companies, are, what about, you know, are they going to schedule more virtual candidate interviews. And I think one of the things that we we're seeing that's impacting recruiting right now is that there's going to be obviously a, a lot more fewer, a, much fewer in-person interviews that are happening on site. Right now, companies are leery and wary based on social distancing to have anybody come on site and because they're having people work from home. So they're doing more virtual candidate interviews. And we're going to see that continuing to increase when you look, when you compare the first time we did the survey to the second time, that actually is increasing. And I think that number as well will continue to go high, go higher. The other thing that um, I don't have a slide on right now, and I think actually this uh, the UG slide is appropriate for this too, is that unfortunately, because what we've seen, the erratic market behavior that's going on right now throughout the global economy, the companies are starting to slow hiring down. And I think especially in obviously customer-facing, consumer-based organizations, hospitality, travel, leisure, retail even, and other related industries, um, they're going to be severely hit, for, at least for the, for the near term. And that's, that's, that's hard because there's a lot of individuals out there. Individuals that can't work remotely, right, are going to be impacted at least for the short term. And so hiring is also going to be impacted. They're telling us that through some of the other surveys that we're doing. The reason why this UG slide is also appropriate is because this is also what we think about when we think about candidate experience, right? We've all had our own experiences, everybody out there who's watching this. You know, the negative experiences we can all recall very quickly, right? We know when we've been, we haven't, we have never heard back from the company. We know when we've been, uh, our interview schedule has been disrupted if we've made it to that far in the, in the recruiting process and they've been rescheduled on us or they make us wait in the lobby. I mean, there's a lot of things that we experience as candidates we think of as bad, but there's a lot of good that's also happening too. And I think that's what I wanted to share now is that there are companies who are, that we see every year in our research that are improving the candidate experience, whether it be for on, on staff site as well as for remote workers. And these are the clear competitive differentiators we see every year. Consistent communication from pre-application to all the way to onboarding if I get hired. As we talked about, the majority of folks aren't hired, but still this process is important, right? Expectation setting, what's going to happen after I apply? What are the next steps? What should I expect as a candidate to hear from you at the end of the day? Asking the candidates for feedback um, at every stage, not just the new hires that you're making, but ask those that you're rejecting, hey, listen, we want to do a better job in recruiting. Tell us what you think. And companies are doing this, whether it's through our benchmark research or they're just doing continuous feedback where they're asking a few questions at a time of their candidates. Tell us what you think because so we, we want to do a better job. Um, providing feedback, especially those who make it to final stage in screening and interviewing, giving them feedback about if you're not going to pursue them any further, why? 
What's the reason why? A little bit of job fit qualification status goes a long way for me as a value add if, if, I'm, if I want to know why I'm not going to be pursued any further, why you're, why you're telling me no at the end of the day. Being more transparent about the process is important for companies. And then the last competitive differentiator is that all these things help to elevate the overall level of perceived fairness because that's what we're talking about at the end of the day in recruiting and hiring. If I, as a candidate, feel that you've been fair as an employer, a potential employer, and you communicated with me and you were clear, and then you were clear when you told me you weren't, you were going to reject me at the end of the day, and, you, and, and maybe even told me why, then I'm more likely to want to do something with you again, to be a brand advocate, to apply again in the future, to refer others. We see that every single year. Um, real quick, one, uh, last year in our North American data, and this holds true globally, the numbers vary a little bit, but in North America, we know that 25% of all the candidates, 200,000 responses that we got last year just in North America, 25% of those candidates said that they had a great experience and they were willing to increase the relationship with the employer, whatever that means to them. Applying again, referring others, and making purchases if it's a consumer-based company. That goes up another 25% for those companies who have the highest positive candidate ratings in our research, hence part of our namesake, the Candidate Experience Awards. Those are the only companies that we tout publicly and share their names when they win an award from us based on their data. So that, but that's huge. It's a huge differentiation at the end of the day. Then you've got those candidates who are extremely likely to refer others. Referrals are really important throughout business, right, in, in recruiting. We depend them on as employers. Candidates lean on their, their networks to get referrals. 27% of all the North American candidates last year said that they were willing to increase their relationship and, and, and refer others at the end of the day. That increases another 26% when you look at those who have the highest positive candidate ratings in our research, the candy winners. Again, referrals are extremely important. Here's kind of the good news we see globally in our data. Um, since 2016, at least, there's been a slight 4 to 5% trend line increase of a, of a great overall experience for, for at least those candidates who say they're experiencing that. That's the good news. The, the bad news, unfortunately, is that what we call the resentment rate with candidates, can, candidates who aren't willing to do anything else with you, the employer, because of their experience, that's increased 40% in North America since 2016, 25% in EMEA in Europe since 2016, 10% in Asia PAC. And then we don't have any trend lines in Latin America yet because we've only just started capturing the data, but that's actually the lowest resentment, which is good news. We'll see if that changes. So that's good and bad. We see it every year in our data and our information. One more, a couple other things I wanted to point out is that we know Companies that are investing more when they're promoting their, their brand, their jobs, their companies about culture, testimonials, diversity and inclusion, and the company values, those candidates that, that are not only want more of this information but are consuming it from companies that they're interested in, they rate that experience with a net promoter score of 50 or higher. And anybody out there who's familiar, familiar with that promoter score, any score above 50 is pretty amazing, especially in a... In a industry such as recruiting where most of the people again get rejected right and 90 percent of our of all of our global data nearly 300,000 candidate responses last year um globally 90 percent of them were people who did not get hired so this is important to note 
this is the kind of information that they want that they're consuming that they're rating higher before they even apply for a job at the end of the day. More, more about the information. This would include, obviously, if you were somebody who's interested in remote working, are they promoting that on their job? Is that something that is, is viable for that job type that you're applying to? And are they promoting that and, and um, having other employees share those testimonials? If companies follow up with candidates after they have been screened and interviewed. If they say, do what they say they're going to do and follow up within a few days or a week, then those candidates are 50%, 56% more likely to increase their relationship with you, even if they don't get hired, right? To be a brand advocate is a huge deal at the end of the day. If you ask your new hires for feedback, we see in our data that they're 76% more likely to increase their relationship with the employer. Again, and that's for the new hires, too, those who actually did get the job at the end of the day. But that's huge. And then 67% of employers told us um, last year that they're now investing more and more in assessments, job simulations, tests for screening purposes. That's definitely something that we continue to see that's on the rise. And, and we find that candidates who understand the tests and assessments they're being given will rate that company higher in the candidate experience because they're getting because I'm in the running, I'm getting engaged, you're having me do something. And even if I still don't get hired, I'm gonna rate, rate that potentially higher at the end of the day. So that's really the big theme that I wanted to, to share is that the communication and feedback are really keys at the end of the day when it comes to recruiting and hiring and has a bigger impact on the bottom line over time. Uh, so Kevin, if, if they're just, I mean, if you try to just summarize uh, this entire conversation and we just say, here are one or two or three important tips for the hiring managers who are watching this interview right now, what would those communication, tips be? Communication and feedback. For, gotcha. Let me give you a specific example. I mean, it all throughout the stage, just being clear about what's going to happen. If I apply and I don't ever hear back from you, I, I don't ever forget that, right? Even though we know most people who apply for any given job, are never going to go that are never going to go any farther than that. I research you, I apply and that's it. That's the end of my journey, right? A much smaller subset are going to get screened and interviewed for any given job. So communication and feedback th th throughout the process, that's really the biggest thing and that's the easiest thing for you to improve. If somebody applies and you send them and again, for any volume hiring, you're going to have a lot of autoresponders that go out. As a candidate, I'm going to get an automated message. That's just the reality. Right. If that message says, thank you for your, for your time, if you're qualified, we'll be in touch, we find that that can skew the scores lower in the ratings than if I didn't send anything at all. Because what what, why, why is that? Because most companies aren't following up. If I'm rejecting most people after they apply, I'm not really, I'm not usually following up and maybe I'm sending a note later on, but if I change the message to say, and you know definitively within that week after they apply that you're not going to pursue them any farther. And again, most people who apply, you don't, you say, thank you for your time. We're not going to pursue you any farther at this point, but we hope that you apply again in the future. It's that's definitive closure, right? It's not something I want to hear as a candidate. Because most of us want to think that we're the most qualified, but that's clear. So clear, concise communication throughout. If that's the that's the biggest takeaway that I give to everybody every single year from our research, that's Great. it. Uh, thanks for sharing this, Kevin. Uh, sure. I, I feel we, we definitely got a really good uh, exposure of what drives a good hiring experience and what drives a really good candidate hiring experience. 
So uh, I think I think we should talk a little bit more about how this works in a virtual environment. So sure. what really happens when uh, we're trying to hire in a fully virtual, fully remote environment? And is there anything that we can do better to improve the experience of the entire the entire you know hiring life cycle, so to speak? So what what can we do to improve the virtual hiring experience? Well, I think I would make sure that you have as when as much FaceTime as you can. So like we're doing now on this video call and this video session is to use, to make sure that you're investing in platforms where you can have audio and video communication. So um, whether that's a platform to actually do video screening on the recruiting side or just a communications tool or both, right? I mean, there are platforms out there where you can do, where companies are using recorded video for screening. Like I ask the candidate questions, they answer them, they record themselves. I then go back in as a recruiter and a hiring manager and screen those. That's fine. Or as a live virtual conversation and interview, invest in a platform that's going to allow you to do that. There's many on the market, so you don't even have to go down into names. But that's a, that's going to be a key one. Is that if you're if it's always going to be virtual, you've got to make sure that you have video and audio. And video is really important because I, I want to be able to see you right. And that, that humanizes the experience and makes it that much more vital. So that's one of my first big tips. Right. So definitely make sure that you have plenty of video exposure there. And you could use both pre-recorded interviews where you just send over questionnaires to the candidates Correct. to record the answers and send it over. Or you could do a live video interaction just to see how they uh, behave in front of the camera. So yeah. uh, it's a combination of both, whatever works for you. It is. And, and I mean, many companies, even for remote work, what the, they're still going to do a lot of phone screening. Now I understand that there's value to that. I get that part. I think video should be incorporated more. That's my opinion, but phone screening is still a big part of it, right? So I apply and I'm still going to have, get you on the phone. We're just going to have a brief conversation and then see if we go farther, but make sure to incorporate the video aspect, especially if they're all going to be just virtual employees, whether they're, Contract, part-time, full-time, whatever their whatever that type is. One before we wrap up, one last question that I really had in mind was: uh, in this entire spectrum of hiring and uh, building an organization in a remote environment, there's a lot of I mean, there are a lot of variables that go beyond the hiring process. There's also the onboarding process and the talent management aspect of it, because a lot of hiring managers are attending this conference. So, are there any tips you can share with them, especially if they are? Uh, trying to build a remote organization or a distributed team, what can they do to improve the candidate onboarding experience as well as their entire talent management uh, spectrum, so to speak? Again, the key for a virtual remote workforce is checking in on a regular basis. And I, you know, there are, there are many different practices out there that you can employ when it comes to how, how many meetings that you have. I mean, I, we, my team, we try to do daily check-ins. I mean, they don't have, they're not even formal meetings, right? They're just like a touch base. This is what's happening today. Let's, anything we need to triage and then we move on. And then maybe having a standing weekly meeting and then maybe a team monthly meeting. And then, you know, depending on what kind of, what the organization structure is, maybe a quarterly business unit meeting or company-wide meeting, whatever the case is, making sure that those are in place so that there's a, a plenty of opportunity for the individuals to have continuous interaction with the rest of the organization before when they're, but even on the, so on the onboarding side, before any of you even get to any of that onboarding as much as you can do before their start date, meaning getting all the, obviously all the paperwork out of the way, whatever that is. And a lot of on, a lot of more companies are using onboarding systems now to, 
also immersing them in the, in the culture as much as you can. Is there anybody they can be introduced to even before they start? Colleagues they're going to work with, peers, that's going to be really important. So the development over time. And then is there an opportunity, you know, are there on sites that when at some point, if, unless I'm a completely virtual organization like mine is, but even then, is there any opportunity, you know, a few times a year to have in-person meetings too? I think that's always important still. But the career development over time, the constant, the, the regular cadence of scheduled calls and meetings, video, making sure that's employed, that's going to be critical throughout the tenure because, again, you're counting on, you know, you want people who are going to be working remotely, obviously, to be um, autonomous, to do their work, to get it done, and you're, 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 there's a trust relationship there that's happening. But I also, you know, and I'm very used to working from a home office at the end of the day, but I also have lots of interactions all the time with people like you and my own team and our customers and employers. And But those are some of my tips, if that helps. Uh, absolutely, big time. I feel uh, you're right on point with that because uh, I'll just quickly summarize what you just shared with us is make sure that there are constant touch points, there are regular yeah. check-ins, and uh, also ensure that you start the cultural immersion, the team, uh, the interaction with the team even before someone starts on the job, right? It could start yeah. a couple of weeks or a month before they join. So they can start engaging with the right people in the company, their culture, their peers, their colleagues, their managers, whoever that could be. And yeah. uh, also make sure that exactly. they, get, they get to hit, hit the ground running, right? So they don't have yes. to wait around and waste their first couple of days of their entire first week once they join the company. So those are all really pretty interesting points. Thank you so much for that, Kevin. I think uh, this is this has been great. Uh, I definitely learned a lot from you. And I, th I think that presentation with all the statistics were really helpful for at least a lot of people who are uh, recruitment managers and attending this conference right now. Sure. So thank you so much for joining us today, Kevin. Yeah, thank you very much for having me.